0: Hey everyone, and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party, causing all your friends to question. Hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host, Michael Montalvo. For the next few moments, we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes today truly unique. On this episode, we examine the events that occurred... March 31st. When I was in high school, I took an economics class, or at least I think it was economics, I don't really remember. Honestly, it's not important to the story. One day in class, a friend of mine turned to me and leaned in so that she could tell me a tale of woe and misery. Calling me close and leaning forward, she asked me if I knew why she was sad. Curiosity growing and getting the better of me I asked, what? She replied, it wasn't the state of the world, it wasn't politics or the impending graduation. It wasn't the worry about the future, about college or beyond. She wasn't sad about losing friends or poor grades or any number of things that teenagers on the brink of change would worry about. She looked me in the eyes and said that deep down, she was sad that she would never be a Tejano superstar like Selena. It's something I think about from time to time. Selena Quintanilla is a larger-than-life figure where I'm from, or rather, where I grew up. I remember being in a car when I heard of her death, and it's odd that I remember in such detail the time of day, the place, and the emotions of the people around me. When her final album was released after her death, I can remember going with my mother to the store and buying a CD of it. I'm sure we wore the disc out. And so it's funny to me that with all of these memories of her, I don't actually know all that much about what happened. Outside of the Netflix series and the film starring Jennifer Lopez, I know very little about the Queen of Tejano. And so with that in mind, let's take a look. Selena was born April 16, 1971 to parents Abraham and Marcella in Lake Jackson, Texas. She and her siblings formed a band in 1980 named Selena y Los Dinos, and although not an overnight success, persistence and dedication soon brought them into the spotlight of Tejano music. The only thing was that Selena did not speak Spanish. She learned it phonetically for her songs, but eventually would become fluent in it. Because of living a life on the road, Selena graduated from the American School of Correspondence at 17 and enrolled in Pacific Western University. A lack of resources for traditional education would not stop her, and neither would the music. In 1987, she was awarded Female Vocalist of the Year at the Tejano Music Awards, and by 1988, she had released six LP records. This brings us to 1989, when she released her debut album, Selena. She became a spokesperson for Coca-Cola and sang jingles composed by her brother and future husband, Chris Perez, The two would elope Lope, April 2nd, 1992. And by 1994, she started her own clothing line, opened two boutiques, and released a fourth album. She had begun work on her next album, an English-language crossover, and that's when tragedy struck. The year was 1995, and on this day, March 31st, Selena was killed by her fan club president, Yolanda Saldivar. Yolanda Saldivar was a Selena fan. She might still be, I don't really know. She founded the Selena fan club in 1991 after attending a concert and writing to Selena's father about starting a fan club up. Under her leadership, the club grew in seeing what Saldivar was able to do for the family. They entrusted her with more responsibilities and brought her closer into the inner circle. She became a close friend to the family and to Selena and was asked to manage both of Selena's boutiques, giving her access to the business checking accounts, as well as being given a key to the home Selena shared with her husband, Chris. But all was not well. Saldivar became possessive of Selena and built a shrine of her in her home. This possessiveness was either overlooked or ignored or just not apparent when the Quintanillas were in the same place as Yolanda. According to an article in Esquire that I read, staff members claimed to be scared of Yolanda, calling her two-faced and unstable. Some noted how she would be cruel to them in private but act kind and generous in front of the Quintanilla family. One worker spoke about how she had finished a design and then left on a trip. Upon her return, the hymns had been torn out. Martin Gomez, another designer hired for the fashion line, spoke about how he told Selena he was scared of Yolanda, claiming it got to the point where she had forbidden him from talking to the singer. Following these complaints, Abraham also warned Selena about how Saldivar could potentially be dangerous, but still, she remained employed. Things only continued to get suspicious, however. Members of the fan club who had been sending in membership dues reported not receiving any of the promised merchandise and it was this along with the continued accusations by employees that prompted Selena's father to look further into the matter. In March 1995, the Quintanilla family was informed of Saldivar's embezzling from the boutique, over $60,000 worth. In addition to this, she was also reportedly renting town cars, entertained at upscale restaurants, and had purchased two phones for personal use, all on the company card. On March 9th, the trio of Selena, Abraham, and Suzette, Selena's sister, confronted Yolanda and accused her of stealing money. She was fired from the boutiques and removed as fan club president, but claimed to have several financial documents that the family needed and so remained in contact with them. She was forbidden to speak to Selena, but again, because of the missing documents, they kept in touch. The story differs a little bit right here, because in some cases, it says that she was fired on the spot, while other instances claim that on March 25th, Selina told Suzette that she was planning on firing Saldivar soon, so I'm not sure which one is exactly true. On March 30th, Saldivar called Selina to come to the Days Inn in Corpus Christi for the documents, alone. Instead, she arrived with her husband, Chris was not given any documents, and left only to return the following morning, this time alone, demanding that the documents be produced. Some reports say that the documents were handed over, and others say they were not. As Selina left, Saldivar pulled a gun and shot the singer in the back. She began to run, with Saldivar chasing her, screaming at her. Selina made it to the lobby, managed to tell what had happened, and then collapsed. She was taken to the hospital, but it was discovered that the bullet had hit an artery, and she bled to death. Yolanda Saldivar stayed at the scene and locked herself in her truck. There was a standoff with police, but she was eventually arrested. The lead negotiator, Larry Rucker Young, would later say, Yolanda didn't ask for anything. What she wanted, really, was to hear what was going on with Selena, her condition. She wanted someone to hear her story, that they were best friends. That she loves Selena. She admires Selena. She would do anything for her. In July, Selena's final album was released, and in October, Yolanda was sentenced to life in prison. She had pled not guilty and has maintained it was all an accidental shooting, but eyewitnesses claim it to be an intentional act. She is eligible for parole in 2025. Despite her death, the legacy of Selena lives on. In 2016, a makeup line named after the singer was introduced from MAC or MAC, I don't know, I don't do a lot with makeup, which was made with the support of her family. In 2017, Selena was awarded a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. And then, of course, there is the movie and the Netflix series. April 16th, Selena's birthday, is an unofficial holiday in Texas after being declared Selena Day in 1995 by then-governor and former president George W. Bush. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps us out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at The Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you